amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What do you mean you just figured out how to make iced coffee? So, like, I thought there was kind of like a special way to do it, but then I realized you, if you just put less water in the coffee, then when the ice melts, your whole coffee is not watered down. Oh, okay. Sounds like an <laughs> intricate process. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesomeo.com NBA strategy show. Actually, that's not true. MLB strategy show presented by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. I'm Dave Lockren. With me, as always, Adam Share, drinking his uh, new newfound fan of of iced coffee. Just figured out how to make it. Matter also, of fact, also just had it for the first time like a week ago. So it, it, it's all coming together. Oh, really? You have never yeah. had iced coffee before? Never had it. I uh, was going to my apartment and tried to get orange juice from McDonald's, and they were out. So I went iced coffee, and now, now I'm hooked. McDonald's orange juice is banging. Yeah, very good. Did you get McDonald's breakfast ever? Yeah. It's the only time I ever go to McDonald's. Me too, but their breakfast is also delicious. Yeah. Egg McMuffin, hash brown, orange. Sausage McMuffin, hash brown. Yeah. And I get I use sweet and sour sauce on it. That's the trick. That sounds good. I'm I'm really bad about using I like never use sauce from restaurants or from from really? fast food places. Yeah, I don't really know why. I'm a sauce. Chick-fil-A I, I like got it. Chick-fil-A got to go Polynesian. If you go to Wendy's, you got to get honey mustard. McDonald's, a little sweet and sour. Not a big Burger King guy, but no sauces. Have, do you know what you're missing? I, I like sauces. I just like never actually order them from a drive-thru or usually don't order them like from a drive-thru. It's a life changer for sure. Anyway, uh, we got, what do we got? Eight games today. And well, Adam, I talked to you about this right before we got started, but it's one of these days where with 16 pitchers on the bump, there are not a lot of, of highly enticing options. There really aren't. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of cuts both ways. Like, I think days like that for tournaments are really fun because you're not funneled into the the decision of like, man, do I roster this really good pitcher that like you don't get FOMO about anybody. It's going to be really easy mentally to play the way you should and uh, be where the field isn't because none of these guys are going to really inspire confidence anyway. Let's dive right into it. Before we do, just want to remind everyone that uh, Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, fantastic sponsor of the MLB Strategy Show, and they're giving you up to, uh, well, up to $30 in Yahoo Sports Rewards points by signing up with them. Uh, I, I say it all the time. There's actually ways to win on Yahoo that, that don't take, you know, always 150 lineups uh, and 
We've got a ton of tools for Yahoo on the site as well already. Uh, if you haven't checked that out yet, you know where to go, awesomemo.com slash join. But uh, up to $30 in Yahoo Sports Rewards points simply by using that promo code awesomemo when you sign up, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Uh, look, everybody knows Yahoo already. We trust Yahoo. It's an important thing with some of these smaller DFS sites. There's no question about that. But the big thing, and Adam, I, I know you enjoyed this when they started, particularly for football, but they have CSV uploads and edits now, which was, you know, one of the things most of us were clamoring for back when Yahoo first started up. That's a huge deal. Yeah, I actually hated when they added it because it made it a lot harder for me to make money. But it also saved me from being up the entire night making NFL lineups by hand. So it was definitely convenient. I remember we were making like a hundred lineups by hand. Yeah, now, I, was, granted, I was max entering. I was max entering my hand. It was a miserable experience, granted, but a profitable one. Granted, you were crunching them and then manually inputting them. You weren't. Yeah, like, yeah. So I was just. Get, it was just like getting eye migraines. It's not like I had to like actually create them in my head and then I'm drilling. Right. That would take. That would take forever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ben Rossa still does that with like 25 lineups every. I have no idea how people do that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, use the promo code AWESOMO. Those YSRPs, Yahoo Sports Rewards Points, they are as good as cash to be used on the site to play and win real money. No reason not to do this if you haven't signed up yet. Promo code is AWESOMO. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the sponsor of the uh, NBA, MLB strategy. You know, it, they were the sponsor of the Deeper Dive for so long that it's just ingrained in me to say that. But it's also the only place where you, yes, you, can become a baller. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Awesome is the promo code, $30 in YSRPs. All right, let's go ahead and dive into this. Welcome to everybody. Glad to have you with us. Hit that thumbs up on your way in the door. If you're spilling in from the NBA show, welcome to you as well. Masahiro Tanaka and Huascar Yanoa. So there's two Yanoas. Uh, the other one was on Baltimore, right? Gabriel, yeah. Yeah, Gabriel Yanoa. I think he's in Korea now, but I could be wrong. I, I haven't seen his name anywhere. But we've got I'm pretty a sure he was one of when I, when I started doing KBO research. I'm pretty sure he was one of the like ten failed Orioles pitchers that is now in <laughs> So you've got Huasco Inoa and uh, Masahiro Tanaka towing the rubber for the Braves and the Yankees, respectively. Should be a pretty fun game. Let's start it off with Masahiro Tanaka. I've for a long time called him one of the most enigmatic pitchers in baseball. You don't know what you're going to get from him. Uh, swinging strike stuff can be fantastic. Other times, he can look like he doesn't belong in the league. This year, to start it off, he's got a 14.6% swinging strike rate, Adam. He's, uh, he, he hasn't faced a ton of batters, though, only 29. Uh, and you know he's striking out 31.5% of lefties. But he's faced a very small amount, 19 lefties, uh, 10 righties. But one thing we know about Tanaka is he does have that ceiling. There's no question that he has the upside. He also has just such a miserable floor and can get bogged down by one laborious inning that, you know, eats up 35 pitches and then his day is over. So how do we approach him today against the Atlanta Braves in a relatively tough spot at 7,600 nonetheless on DraftKings? Yeah, the price point, I think, is what starts to make it appealing because he's not fully stretched out. Um, in his two starts, he's thrown 51 and then 59 pitches, went two and two thirds and then five innings. So you're not expecting him to, to give you that six or seven inning, you know, 100 pitch game that at this point, a lot of pitchers are capable of giving you. But um, he, he does at least have that strikeout potential. You know, his strikeout numbers were pretty bad last year, but he's always been a guy that um, gets a really high percentage of 
chases on pitches out of the zone. Always gets a lot of swinging strikes, like you said, over the small sample size this year, uh, the, the swinging strikes are there. His fastball velocity this year is averaging 92.7 miles an hour. Last year, he was at 91.6. So I think that's a good sign that, that he's gotten some velocity back. It's not a great matchup against Atlanta. Um, you did have Ronald Acuna scratched yesterday. So entirely possible that the, the lineup's a little bit weaker than normal today if Acuna misses again. But the price point, I think, is what is what makes him at least a consideration because he at least can give you five, maybe six, if he's somewhat efficient innings and pick up, you know, five strikeouts or something like that. And on this slate, when you, when you look at the other pitching, that's very, very, that, that's a good outcome for most of these pitchers. So I uh, do have some interest in Tanaka. He's certainly someone though, that, that if we're getting ownership on him, I'll get away pretty quickly because the ceiling is somewhat capped when you're talking about someone that you expect to maybe throw like what 75 pitches there. There's only so much he can do in that amount of time. So um, if the field's getting there, then you're not really risking a whole lot by taking a shot on lower own guys. For sure. By the way, something very interesting, his four seamer usage is through the roof so far. Uh, last year he threw 26% four seam fastball, 21% the year before 12% in 2017, 9% in 2016. This year, uh, in those two starts, 42% uh, four-seam fastball. That's pretty significant. We know he's, he's getting a lot of swinging. He's getting a lot of swinging strikes on it too, which is really weird. I know it's what 15% whiff rate on the pitch. This is generally speaking a pitch that that had not done him well. And I started reading up on something uh, that is talked about um, that that talked about like last year he started to build on it, but. Earlier this year, it looks like he's actually getting the pitch is becoming better. The spin rate hasn't increased a ton. The velocity is a little bit higher. Um, but I, I don't know if I don't know, unfortunately, if this is something that's sustainable or it's just the first couple of starts. But it has looked good. He's pounding the strike zone with it. Um, and 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 he's getting pretty good results on it so far. I, I bring this up, Adam, because Masahiro Tanaka's got a a, a a very solid splitter, right? Like his splitter for many years has, has garnered a 22, 24% uh, whiff rate, which is insane. Uh, and then his slider is also a pitch that can can generate a lot of, of swings and misses. The, the fastball is one he's always struggled with. Uh, it's funny, Kyle Gibson, similarly, is somebody that if he had a better fastball, he'd be an incredible pitcher. But if if Tanaka does start missing more bats on this fastball, and stops giving up power on it because last year he gave up almost 300 ISO on the pitch. Uh, that could change his game a lot. It's something to at least keep an eye on. Yeah, and what what you said leads into what I was going to say. Where this this is completely an educated guess. I haven't dug into it. I have right, no idea. You, well, we, we don't have enough innings, you know? right? But but one of the hard one of the most difficult things when you dig into pitching to try and figure out if you think something is real is there's nothing to really quantify what's called pitch tunneling, which is when basically the pitcher's throwing his pitches on the same plane. And so then you're, it's really difficult for the pitcher to, or for the hitter to pick it up to, because of Tanaka's arsenal and the fact that he has that really good splitter and the really good slider, like you said, I think there is a good chance that he would have an above average uh, swinging strike percentage on his four seam fastball. If he's basically throwing them all on the same plane from the same arm slot. And then last second, it's either staying straight, going down or diving to the left. And the hitter really has no idea which it's going to be. Um, so with his arsenal, you could see uh, he's still not going to maintain 15%, I wouldn't think, but you could see an above average swing strike percentage on that pitch. Yeah. And also keep in mind, good points. The 15% whiff rate on a, on a four seamer is like close to elite. 
You know what I mean? It, on a slider or a curve or a changeup, that that's okay. On a fastball, that's really good. There are only a few pitchers out there that do something like that. Jacob Degrom is one of them that has like a what's he got like a twenty percent whiff rate on his fastball, something insane. Uh, but Masahiro Tanaka's off-speed stuff and breaking stuff is good enough to where if he even marginally improved that pitch, he could be very good. I don't know. Call me crazy. But if he doesn't get a lot of ownership, Adam, you have some positive signs like that. And he's 7,600. He's cheap. It's never bad to try and get in, uh, get a, ahead of the trend. That's that's where a lot of money can be made. Uh, it's funny because one guy that, that was like that is Trevor Cahill. When he started throwing that crazy curve, uh, frequently about four years ago. If you got in early on that, he's on this slate. He's actually the cheapest pitcher. But if you got in early on that, uh, you had huge days. Maybe maybe there is something to this with Tanaka. And uh, I think you're, you made a good point about ownership. But if he's not high-owned and we're seeing some some encouragement, it just makes him that much more appealing. Yeah, I mean, the the, the only real damper is that, uh, well, aside from the Braves being a pretty good offense, is that yeah. he's not going to go that deep into the game. Yeah. How many pitches do you think he throws? It is concerning. He was super efficient last time out, but it's hard to put him above like 75. Right. I mean, yeah, 51 and 59. And then the other problem, the biggest problem when you have these pitch counts is strikeouts take up pitches. So it's basically like in most cases, you know, not the last start because he was so efficient, like you said, but it's really difficult to be efficient and get enough strikeouts to be a good DFS player. Yep. No doubt. This season, Braves striking out uh, 26.5% clip against righties. I think a lot of that might have just come against that Aaron Nola game where he had like 100 of them. But uh, at the same A lot of that time, was also – I think Marquette is being back drives their strikeout percentage down too. Yeah, it's definitely possible. They, they do have more strikeouts in the lineup than they have typically had in recent years, though, now that Austin Riley's a regular player, Adam Duvall's a regular player. More and they power, have more, more strikeouts. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're more dangerous, and they have more strikeouts. Yeah, you're taking at-bats from like Ender and Ciarte and giving them the Marcelo Zuna. <laughs> exactly. Uh, on the other side of this one, look, I, I don't know a ton about um, about Enoa, so I, I did a little bit of digging on him, and I, I didn't really find anything that was encouraging to me, uh, especially when you've got this Yankees team that is just so deadly at the plate. I don't know. He, he He's a... Uh, 23, 24% strikeout guy uh, in 72 innings at AAA last year. He struck out 23.9% of batters. It's not bad. Had a double-digit walk rate, though. Um, you know, all in all, he, he seems like somebody that uh, is more than likely just going to be okay, at least right now. And he's only thrown 39 pitches in one outing this year. We've gotten nothing more than that. So it's hard to rely on him to go super far. But he's seventy one hundred. He's only a little bit less expensive than Tanaka. Yeah, not not a spot where I'm interested. They they said they want him to go as deep as he can, but that they expect that to be like four innings max. So you know, really cap ceiling there. And it's not like he's cheap. He's, he's seventy one hundred. That's more expensive than some you know actual starting pitchers on this slate. So and then you know on top of that, he's facing the Yankees. So definitely more interested in the Yankees bats for me than than any Noah. Okay. Any bats here on either side you have interest in from the Yankees specifically? You say you have interest in them. Uh, where would you put them in terms of priority today? I mean, they're always one of my top priorities just because they have so much power. Um, the pricing on the Yankees really isn't bad, with the exception of Aaron Judge being priced like he's Mike Trout or a better version of Mike Trout. 
Um, but that may, that obviously keeps his ownership down in tournaments, which which has some appeal in of itself. But um, you know, obviously don't know much about Noah as far as what he's going to give up. But these Yankees bats just have so much power that that they're um, a good stack regardless. Um, on the top stack tool right now, we don't have much ownership at all going to the Yankees, but we have them as the second highest top stack percentage. So if that were to hold, which obviously is super early in the day, but if that were to hold, I'd be getting to a ton of New York. Okay. Anything else on this one before we move on? Um, from the Atlanta side, Tanaka does struggle or has in the past at least struggled with power. So, you know, one-offing Atlanta probably makes some sense, you know, looking to like a Freddie Freeman or a Marcelo Zuna as these power bats that can take advantage of a hanging slider. All right. That's a good point, too. What, what's our ownership look like right now? Tanaka's at 10% on DraftKings. Okay. And this will obviously change throughout the day, so keep that in mind. Uh, moving on to Philadelphia and Baltimore. Did you see, by any chance, the ninth and 10th inning from the Phillies yesterday? No, I turned the game off after the Harper home run. What an absolutely heinous display of baseball across the board. Gene Segura came over from third base to grab a uh, a pop up to the left to the right of the pitcher mound in front of Reese Hoskins. Hoskins calls it off. I posted a Twitter video on this. Watch it. I think you will enjoy it. Uh, Hoskins calls for it. Segura calls him off. Trips over the mound, drops the ball in a six six game in the top of the ninth. Two run score. Right. So then the Phillies come back, tie it up in the bottom of the ninth. <clears throat> Go to ten inning, tenth inning. And uh, Hayes hits a, like a bloop single to center field. Roman Quinn dives for it. The ball is seven feet in front of him. Nowhere close. Rolls to the uh, warning track. He goes to grab. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Falls on his ass. Throws it off of two gloves in the park home run. Inside the park home run. Dude, unbelievably bad display of baseball. It was all over Twitter. You have to check it out. If you, if you follow me on Twitter, you, you'll, you can find it. It's like my last tweet, and then I just gave up on life. But uh, my, my PlayStation controller sticks sometimes, and so like I'll have that where like I'm running for a ball, and my guy just <laughs> dives for it. Uh, maybe whoever's controlling Quinn has the same issue. Adam, it was terrible, man. It was well, one, so one of my bad. friends was like sweating the seven 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 tournament on DraftKings, and he needed the Phillies game to go to extras. So I was I, I got messages from him like, oh, Baltimore just took the lead on an infield double. Like, yeah, and that yeah, was actually so. an inside the park home run, by the way. Good, uh, good. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. The pop-up you might be talking about was an error. But yeah, 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 were, yeah, yeah. There were two outs and bases loaded. So pop-up, dude, just start running home. Right. And it turns out it worked. So uh, what a disastrous result for this this fucking team. 
Anyway, Philly and Baltimore. Uh, let's start with Zach, uh, Zach Eflin here on the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies. Kind of a weird spot. He's always been somebody that's got pretty extreme splits. We've talked about him so much over the years. They have a 5.8 total. The Orioles at 4.4. Uh, Eflin and company minus 168 money line favorites. He is $6,400 on DraftKings. He's $7,300 on FanDuel. Uh, from, from what we know about Eflin, he's not a terrible pitcher. Uh, he generally isn't going to get a lot of strikeouts. He threw 77 pitches in his debut on the six, went four uh, innings, two runs, none of them earned, and struck out five. Uh, in that game, in that game specifically, Zach Eflin had a swinging strike rate of 6.5%. And that's, that's wherein lies the problem. He's not going to get or miss a ton of bats. He's more of a precision precision pitcher. Do you have interest at this price against the Orioles, though? Yeah, because he's facing the Orioles. Um, he he does a really good job of limiting power to righties. Pretty balanced lineup from Baltimore. You know, if you're going to target against Eflin, I think you look to Rio Ruiz, you look to Anthony Santander uh, from the left side. But their projected lineup has four right-handed hitters in the top six. Typically, um, he, he does a good job. You know, since last year, he's allowed a 121 expected ISO to righties, 228 to lefties. So you prefer right-handed uh, lineups for him at, at this price tag on a slate where there's no, not really any pitching that jumps out as being great strikeout pitching. Um, I, I do have some interest in Eflin, especially, well, I mean, right, so right now he's coming in at about 20% on DraftKings, which kind of just throws him into the, the mix with like Taiwan Walker and then a couple more, a few more expensive pitchers. Um, I don't think that that's too high, but I also wouldn't want to get there if it gets much higher. On a day with not a ton of great pitching, I actually think Eflin's moderately appealing. Uh, and another thing, too, is what is this lineup going to look like for Baltimore? Uh, if, if you've got a ton of righties in the lineup or a ton of lefties, it can change things a lot. The projected lineup right now has, I think, five righties, Adam, uh, with one of your lefties probably being Chris Davis, Dwight Smith Jr., uh, Rio Ruiz, Santander. Uh, I'm not super afraid of that. Actually, the run total is down to 4.3 now. If you have five or six righties in the lineup, it also becomes a lot more appealing for Eflin. Yeah, for sure. The only real concern I would have on Eflin is that we see it all the time that ownership just like steams on cheap pitchers against teams with low implied run totals, even if they really don't have like strikeout stuff. I mean, it's still the the problem with pitchers that don't have strikeout stuff at in addition to just not getting strikeouts is it's really, it's a still a small margin of error. Like they're going to be putting the ball in play. If they just hit it where there aren't fielders, then real quick, you've given up a couple of runs and you can't make that up. So you'll see ownership steam on these pitchers. And then there's just a higher probability of them disappointing. But aside from potential ownership issues, I do think that it looks like one of the best pitchers on the slate. Not a ton of big gaps in ownership today either. Uh, you know, you've got four pitchers right now projected uh, 20% or higher, five, I'm sorry, uh, and then six at 15% or higher, and then everything just falls off a cliff after that outside of Masahiro Tanaka, who's around 10%, making things a little bit interesting. Yeah, worth tracking Eflin's ownership for sure. If he becomes one of the more popular, like 25-plus percent, 30% pitchers at that price, well, given his low floor, there's there's definitely merit to looking away. But as of now, I do like Zach Eflin. Uh, Wade LeBlanc, on the other hand, southpaw journeyman for the Baltimore Orioles, 
got crushed in his last start against Miami. Uh, he has definitely struggled this season. He's not going to miss a ton of bats. He's given up four home runs already in like 13 innings, 14 innings. Uh, and the Phillies right now have the highest stack ownership of any team. Uh, it is way up there, Adam. And I, I think reasonably so. One more thing before I toss this one over to you. If we're, if we're talking about weather uh, and, and, and how it's going to look in Philly, I woke up this morning around 8, stepped outside, and it was like I was in a sauna. Uh, it's going to be only 82 degrees at first pitch, but really, really humid. So uh, we saw balls flying out of Citizens Bank Park yesterday with basically, you know, they would have been moderately shallow pop-ups had this been April or something, which makes a pretty big difference. Yeah, ball flies here. Uh, LeBlanc will give up some fly balls. He's got a really high swing and strike percentage on his changeup so far this year. Granted, it's a small sample size, but it's still getting hit reasonably hard. Um, I mean, one one thirty five expected ISO, so I guess not. He, he's run kind of bad on it, but again, you would expect the ball to carry more here than, than normal. But even like looking at some of the Phillies bats, you know, obviously it's a dangerous lineup, but not really high swinging strike percentages for them against uh, left-handed changeups. They hit them well. There's not much here to make me like LeBlanc outside of. We do have the Phillies bats getting so much ownership and pitching is so dicey on this slate that there is in large field tournaments at least merit to considering just hoping for the best from LeBlanc and then shutting down 20% of the field. That's not typically some a strategy that I use on my starting pitching, but I know some successful players do. Like if you go and look at their exposures, it's pretty obvious that they weight um, leverage of the opposing offense. So if that's a strategy that, that you use, LeBlanc would look like a, a pretty good option here. It's not one that I personally use though. Okay. Uh, anything else from either side of this one? Baltimore bats. Any anything you want to discuss there? Uh, I mentioned I like Santander and Ruiz. Uh, that obviously becomes even more so if if Eflin's ownership goes up. And then from the Philly side, it's obviously a great spot, but there's a ton of questionable pitching today. I don't think that any one team should be garnering as much ownership as we have the Phillies getting right now. Okay. If we're moving on, we will do that, and we'll move to Milwaukee and Minnesota. Kent Tomeda and uh, Eric Lauer right now. Uh, Meta is getting the most ownership of any pitcher on DraftKings on FanDuel. Give me a quick second here to filter this out. He's uh, second highest, but he's right in the ballpark of Zach Granke. Uh, and and then on our sponsor, Yahoo, you got Kent Meta as second highest, but around 32%. So the two pitcher sites definitely make a big difference. Eric Lauer opposite Kent Meta on the mound for Milwaukee. Let's start with Meta. Like I said, he's getting a lot of ownership, no question. Uh, he's he's a he's he's a very good pitcher. There's no there's no denying that uh, this season he he hasn't thrown more than 84 pitches, and you know that is sharing a striking resemblance to what we saw before he came to Minnesota, and it was one of the things that we hated because no matter how good he was, oftentimes we had to worry about pitch counts. He's he's a good enough strikeout pitcher. Uh, on the season this year, Meta is, has struck out 25.8% of batters he's faced in 17 innings. He has a swinging strike rate of 14.2%, which is one of the best numbers on this slate. Uh, but th there is no denying that this is a decent enough Milwaukee team that can make life tough. But, but Adam, they're probably going to have, you know, five righties in this lineup. And Meta, as far as splits goes, is really somebody that's, that's equipped to handle batters from both sides of the plate. So question for you is, is he worth this ownership today if, if, if we come in around where he's at when Locke hits? 
I think he deserves it for a couple of reasons. For one, I think he's the best or, well, excluding Blake Snell since he's incapable of going more than three innings. Um, I, I think May is the best or second best pitcher in terms of talent on the slate. Yeah. It's a Milwaukee team that strikes out a lot. You'd prefer that they had an extra righty or two, but also it's just not going to be difficult to get there because like, he, you know, 9,100 is perfectly reasonable for him. But then your SP2, unless you go to Granke or, you know, or Snell, is going to be cheap because that's pretty much all that there is. So it's going to be really easy to get to Maeda and still get bats that you like. Um, he's a good pitcher. His strikeout numbers are much better against righties than lefties, but he's able to limit power from both sides. And with the exception of Kristen, um, of Yelich and Sogard, you get strikeouts from pretty much this entire lineup. So I think it all looks really good for Kent Maeda. Uh, I think he deserves the ownership he's getting. Okay. Uh I do too. The only concern obviously is can he throw as many pitches as he needs to? It, it's not shocking though, that he threw 80, 83 and 84 because these were all, he finished, he closed out the inning and you're seeing a lot of managers do that. So he went six innings, 80 pitches. Uh, he went six innings, 83, went five, 84. I, I would really hope though that, you know, if he comes out of an inning this time after three starts at 80 pitches that he comes back out. That's my one greatest concern with Ken Tomato here. Uh, I, I want to see that he can at least he can at least come back out of a, a start with 79, 80, 81 pitches, uh, especially when he's performing well. Uh, it, obviously not if he gives up three runs in a frame, but you get the point. What about Eric Lauer against Minnesota? Right now, the totals here, 4.3 for the Brewers against, uh, against Ken Tomato and 4.8 for the Minnesota Twins against Eric Lauer and the Brewers? I think the twin side looks pretty good against Lauer, and they're not getting a ton of ownership either. Um, Lauer's not a, a strikeout pitcher. Lefty um, against Minnesota. So, it you know, same-handed for Kepler and Rosario, but everyone else that you would normally roster is going to have the platoon advantage. Uh, Mitch Garver in a great spot. Cruz and Sano in great spots. I think that you're going to see a lot of individual ownership go to guys like Garver and Cruz, but because of the pricing on Minnesota and because two of their, their best hitters are left-handed, you might not see full stack ownership, which makes them really appealing. Like you just roster Kepler or Rosario and you get to have contrarian teams that have Garver and Cruz and Sano. So I think that's really appealing. Um, as far as power numbers go, since last year, Lauer has allowed a 192 ISO to lefties, 155 to righties. Um, expected ISO numbers are much closer, 178 to righties, 184 to lefties. So not dominant against either side of the plate, which again goes to the point of rostering Rosario and Kepler in your stacks. Uh, I think it's just a really appealing spot for an offense that has a ton of power. Okay. Anything else here? No. I think it. we hit on everything. Let's talk about Houston and San Francisco. Zach Granke, Trevor Cahill, We'll start with Granky because, as I just mentioned moments ago, he is getting quite a bit of ownership. Now, obviously, price is going to factor into this heavy. He's $46 on Yahoo. He's getting 40% ownership right now. Uh, on FanDuel, he's 9800 He's getting 22% ownership. Single pitcher site, obviously. So that makes a difference. Uh, and then on DraftKings, Zach Granky. Uh, it's the only site where he's not projected to be the highest owned pitcher, but he's still coming in with the second highest ownership at 10,300. We could both agree that Granke is a very good pitcher, uh, but what price point would Zach Granke is warranted? Now, first of all, if I asked you this, just quick, quick, quick guess, 
What year do you think he came into the league? If you, if you tried to remember. 1999. Oh, see, I didn't, I didn't think it was that early. It Wait, no, 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 no. Like 2003. I forgot what year it is now. Okay. <laughs> I was, I'm trying to like place. I feel like I was like late elementary school or early middle school. Okay. Yeah. 2004. Solid. Okay. Yeah. But point is he's been in the league for a really long time. And he's still north of $10,000 on DraftKings. Uh, and by the way, it wasn't like he came in and got a cup of coffee in 2004 and 2005. No, he started 24 games, 145 innings in 2004. This guy's been ripping off 200-plus frames for years now. He's gone three straight seasons with 200-plus innings pitch. He's thrown 200-plus innings in a, in five of his last six years. He's Remember when he was almost out of baseball, like five years in or something? Yeah, it's crazy. He's... He's an absolute workhorse. Uh, it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's thrown 200-plus innings in nine seasons, which I don't know. It's just it's not unheard of, but it's definitely uncommon. Uh, but you know what else, is, what else is uncommon? Is somebody like Zach Granke still being a super high upside pitcher uh, at this stage of his career. He's striking batters out at 18% this season. Granted, I... I, 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 we could go back to last season's stats as well, but just looking at it from this year, given that he's continuing to get older, uh, only fa- only striking out 14% of, of righties. His swinging strike rate is at 10%, so it's not terrible. But uh, I just wanted to pull up his stuff to, to see what his expected numbers are so far. Point is, the guy's getting old, Adam. He's got a uh, very good matchup against San Francisco, where, where are we willing to draw the line on Zach Granke uh, at what price, in what matchup, at what ownership? So I don't think the price is as important today as it would be on some other slates because, again, you're just – unless you're trying to pair him with, like, Kent Ameda, which even that, you're spending a little under 20K on DraftKings. Normally when normally with your pitching, you start running into issues if you go above 20K combined. If you're down in, like, the 16K combined range, you pretty much can get – whatever stacks you want. So, I mean, Granky at 10-3, but then you have these SP2s like Eflin or Taiwan Walker in the mid-6K range. It's going to be really easy to get to Granky. So, I think that the price tag isn't as alarming or as concerning as it normally would be. Normally, I don't have interest in paying 10K for Granky because the strikeout stuff just doesn't compare to other pitchers priced up there, but those pitchers don't exist today. So, I do like Granky here. Uh, you have, you know, San Francisco offense that isn't very good. You have a pitcher in Granky who is good. And is easily one of the three most talented pitchers on the slate with Snell and, and Maeda. Um, I, I, yeah, I think it all looks good for Granky. I mean, if the ownership on him were to really get out of control, then I would have some interest in, in getting away. But even then, it's kind of like, what do you go to? Like, you go to Maeda and another SP2, and the SP, the questionable SP2s, or the good ones at least, like um, Eflin and Walker, are going to have ownership too. So it, it, I think it's going to be tough to. Ju- to, to justify just like fading Granky on the slate. Pains me to say it because of the ownership and the price and and the fact mm-hmm. that he's not really a, a stellar pitcher when it comes to upside, but he's the best he's the best option on the slate, right? And, and you make good points about salary not mattering as much. You no know, cores, a bunch of these other teams that are in good spots aren't exorbitant. 
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Definitely priced. The, the Philadelphia Phillies are one that are going to be very popular. Outside of Bryce and uh, JT Realmuto, they're pretty affordable too. But... Ultimately, the, the Giants have a 3.8 run implied total. The, the Houston Astros are, are huge, uh, huge favorites, almost minus 200. They have a 5.3 run implied total. So not only does he have a really good shot of getting the win, getting a quality start uh, and, 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 and giving you solid numbers, but he should be able to run through this, this San Francisco lineup with, with relative ease. So. Uh, I'm with you. I, I wish I wasn't. I wish there was a really healthy pivot that we could get to that that wasn't popular. But sometimes you just don't get that. Uh, and and Granky, even at that price, does seem to make a lot of sense. Now, yeah, I mean, it's, what, it's just like a slate thing. Like when I first pulled up the pitching and was getting ready for the show, I was kind of just like, oh, good, I get to do a show where I rail against rostering a 10k Zach Granky. And then we get to the game, and I'm just like, all the points that I normally would make don't apply to the slate, so I sure. can't really make them. You're right, uh, Trevor Cahill. On the other side, he's the cheapest pitcher on DraftKings today. Uh, he's making his debut start for the San Francisco Giants. And uh, he was called up from the taxi squad to throw this game. Trevor Cahill always had some pretty decent stuff, but just has completely unraveled over the past couple of seasons. And, you know, while they may not be banging trash cans in the outfield at Minute Maid Park, this is still an incredibly dangerous Houston Astros offense. Yeah, and pretty non-existent strikeout stuff last year from Cahill. Struck out 17.5% of lefties, 18% of righties, threw over 1,000 pitches to righties, 764 to lefties. So it's not like we're talking about a couple of games. Um, so, you know, like, and he's always had walk issues, which is a problem. Uh, he also has trouble holding runners, which is a problem when you have guys like Kyle Tucker leading off. So I, I think Houston obviously is in a great spot against Cahill. I don't have interest in going to Cahill, even though he's really cheap. I think it's just a really, really difficult matchup. Um, the top stack tool right now, we have Houston being another team that that's on their own, I think, because they're a little bit more expensive. But again, it's a team where you have like one really expensive bat in Alex Bregman. And outside of that, everybody's cheap. Um, if you have Kyle Tucker and Josh Reddick at the top of this order, that's two left-handed bats, one in Tucker, who I absolutely love, you know, has power and has speed. Reddick is whatever, but he's cheap. Um, Brantley's cheap. It, it's going to be a stack that I get to a lot, I think, especially if ownership holds how it is. Yeah, uh, top stack uh, probability is almost 8%. Their ownership's under 5% right now. Those things will change, but uh, it's pretty appealing. Same with the Yankees, by the way. We didn't spend um, spend, spend a ton of time on bats, but if, if that ownership holds, they have 3.8% ownership right now, 10% top stack probability. Actually, their top stack chances are 
the second highest on the slate. It's it's one of those spots. Not to not to spend too long circling back here, but they're really expensive. Uh, Aaron Judge, at least, is. I guess the rest of them aren't that bad, but they are going to cost you. Is do you think there's any way to get uh, like a four or five man Yankee stack with Zach Granke? Probably. I mean, yeah, because like so, Judge is expensive. All right, so like let's say you take Granky plus plus Walker, right? So you're spending or Granky plus Afton. So you're spending like sixteen seven at uh, at pitcher. So that leaves you thirty three thousand three hundred dollars. You you can spend a little over four thousand one hundred dollars per bat. Um, so you would have to like like if you're taking Judge. You you'd end up having to get some cheap one-offs, but they exist. Um, or you just skip judge and get the Yankees. Yeah, that might be the the way. Sixty three hundred is a lot, but I'm sure it's doable. It's just you know a question worth asking because man, that Yankees owner. Go ahead. So if you if you go like Granky, Eflin, Judge as the first three guys in your lineup, you have three thousand eight hundred and sixty dollars to spend for the rest of your bats. So stacking the Yankees, you would need to probably find like a 2K punt or something like an Abraham Toro from the Astros or something like that. But if you skip judge, you can do whatever the hell you want. Okay. Hit that thumbs up while you're at it. If you haven't done so yet, you guys know it helps us a lot. It's the easiest way to support us. And if you're new to the channel, hit that subscribe button and the notification bell. You'll always know when new content's dropping here on the channel. Uh, okay, moving on. Down four, four to go. Washington, New York Mets, Anibal Sanchez. Uh, he got blown up in, in each of his first two starts, or at least did not perform particularly well against Toronto and Baltimore. Now he's got a division rival Mets. Uh, and then Walker Lockett is is pitching for the New York Mets, activated from that 10-day injured list. Uh, the odds on this game as it stands – Mets have a 4.8 run implied total, 5.3 for the Washington Nationals, minus 125 on the money line for the Nats. Let's start with Anibal Sanchez here. Uh, $7,900 on DraftKings. On FanDuel, Sanchez is all the way down at 7100 Not someone I really want to get to here. Like, I have a lot of respect for the Mets offense. Um, they have a lot of good bats in this lineup. You know, it's, it's really easy to kind of write off the Mets because they're the Mets, but uh, a pretty dangerous lineup here, especially, you know, one through four with Nimmo, McNeil, Alonzo, and Conforto. Um, Wilson Ramos is one a pretty decent hitting catcher who doesn't strike out a lot. So that's a, a spot in the order that most teams give you a strikeout and the Mets don't, which drives their strikeout percentage down a little bit. And Sanchez relative to the other very questionable SP2s on the slate is more expensive. So I think it's going to be really tough to, to get to Sanchez here. I don't have any really great reasons for doing it. Uh, and on the other side, Walker Lockett, pretty high total for the Nats, north of five. Yeah, um, pulling up his numbers now, but going from memory in the past, he was with the Padres and was a decent ground ball guy, but not a strikeout guy, if I remember correctly. Yeah, if um, I remember correctly, he had like an 18% strikeout rate at the minor league level. You're remembering too high. Is it lower than that? Yeah. He, so 59 innings at AAA for the Mets last year. He struck out 14.9%. Wow. Um, AAA with the Padres in 2018, 133 innings. He struck out, okay, at 20.6%. So, yeah. Um, he was kind of up and down in the minors as far as strikeout percentage goes. But regardless, not a lot of strikeouts for this guy. 
and facing a Nats team that, while it's not what it used to be, it's still a pretty dangerous lineup. Um, Trey Turner, obviously, is one of the better shortstop plays. You get some nice value at second base in Castro. Juan Soto is one of the best hitters in baseball, and he's affordably priced, especially when you compare him to other top outfielders. You know, like Aaron Judge is 6,300. Juan Soto is 5K. That's that's a pretty big discount for Soto. Yeah, it really is. I, I, I have no issues with, with Washington today. Uh, current ownership projection on this stack is right in the middle of the road, around 5%. There's only two teams that are getting a ton of ownership today, and then the rest is pretty scattered. But Washington, another team, their top stack chances are third highest on the day. So I, I do find some interest in that. I don't hate the fact that they have a 5.3 run implied total either. So uh, that's a team I'm willing to look at. Now, uh, you talked about it a little bit with the New York Mets bats. While you're not getting the Sanchez and you respect the New York Mets hitters, uh, do you have interest in getting to them against Sanchez today? Yeah, I do. Um, Nemo leading off is one of the bats that you should be using or can be using if you're stacking the Yankees. He's 3,200 for I have absolutely no idea what reason should be leading off against Sanchez most likely. Um, so he's really cheap. Looks like a really good value bet. But the Mets as a, a whole are a pretty cheap stack where you can get to them. You can get whatever pitching you want. You can get whatever one-offs you want. And they give you plenty of upside. So um, guessing that they're going to get some ownership right now, we have we have their aggregate ownership right where it should be basically, which is, is fine. Uh, so yeah, I, I do have interest in both sides of this game. Man, Sanchez allowed four home runs in his first start. Did you see the article kind of uh, off top, well, sort of off topic, but did you see the article from, I think it was the ringer that said that there was a humidor in, installed in city field this year? Yeah. I, but I didn't know that until I saw it. Yeah. No, not only anybody did. It was like city field, T-Mobile and I don't remember the third one. Oh, it was more than one. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 you think it's having an impact? I haven't looked into it. I mean, if it's true, then yeah, like I, I I'm sure it is. It's got to be, um, right? Yeah. Huh. Anything else here? I think we hit both of these. No pitching. Washington bats are the uh, priorities here, or is the priority? Yep. Tampa Bay and Boston, Blake Snell, Zach Godley. So Snell has only thrown three innings uh, in each of his last two starts. He opened the season throwing two innings. Uh, he stated that he wants to get up to five innings at least today. So, you know, that's good. He, he's been – He's been solid enough. I, I've got no issues with the fact that you know he's he's coming in with with solid strikeout numbers, fifteen point eight percent swinging strike rate in, in his limited amount of work. He struck out almost forty percent of batters he's faced. Uh, he had a bit of a hiccup there uh, in his second outing against Baltimore with two home runs allowed. But all in all, Blake Snell looks perfectly fine. It's really simply a matter of how many pitches he can throw. Uh, and given that fifty nine pitches is the most he's thrown this season. And he's priced at $9,400 on DraftKings, $85 on Fandle. That makes it a little bit difficult. Makes it a lot bit difficult, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it does. He's still got, just, by the way, he's still getting a lot of ownership right now. Right. That's the thing. Like, if, if his ownership bottoms out and it all starts going to, like, Ken Tomato, then maybe you, especially if you're playing, like, 150 lineups, you can just kind of get a little bit over the field and hope that you get, like, five innings of eight strikeouts or something and that Maeda blows up. But if they're getting comparable ownership, which right now Maeda is at 30%, Greg King Snell are both at 24. Why are you rostering Blake Snell? Right. Right. I know that, that makes no sense at all because could look, could Snell go, this is one of those games. Snell will go out and have like 
you know, 10 strikeouts in five innings, and then you'll say, oh, I should have done it. But how many pitches do you really have faith that he throws? 75, right. 70, 75? Right. I mean, the, the whole game is probability. Like, yeah, he can do that. It's unlikely. But if you're getting a position where it makes sense to try and get that unlikely outcome, like if Blake Snell's 2% owned and Kent Tomatoes 50, for example, then you go to it. If they're all the same ownership, basically you're not getting any reward for trying to get the unlikely outcome. So it's that that's why it's so ownership dependent. Yep. No question. So he's a lot of money. He costs quite a bit. 9,400, uh, 85 on Fandle. It's not terrible, but still, uh, well, it's tough on FanDuel because you get the extra points for the win and the quality right. start. Right, and he's come nowhere close to that yet. Like you said, wants to go five innings, but, you know, five innings is, I don't know. You get caught in one one small – another thing is, too, like, as good as he is, you get caught in one small jam uh, and you end up running into a 30-pitch or 25, 25, 30-pitch inning. And that derails any opportunity you have of going five innings anyway, Adam. So Yeah, and we're also talking about a pitcher who is not known for being super efficient, um, strikes out a lot of guys, also does not throw a lot of pitches in the strike zone. Yep, no question. Zach Godley against Tampa. Tampa bats have been a little bit quiet, but uh, Zach Godley has been pretty terrible for a couple of years now, unfortunately. His last start was okay. He struck out seven in his, in his debut uh, this year, so – I, I guess there are are some bright spots with Zach Godley. He's amazingly getting a ton of of missed bats, which is very encouraging to see. What do you take away from what we've seen from Zach Godley over his fa- first three starts for the? I'll be rostering him just because he's fifty eight hundred, and there's at least some potential for upside. The swinging strikes have been good. Um, he he's a really really difficult pitcher ever to feel confident in because he basically has one good pitch that when he has a good feel for it and he's able to th- to get ahead in counts it's it's a very effective pitch if he's behind in counts he can't really use it um so it, it's from start to start you've always kind of seen inconsistency with godly when he was at his peak obviously he was having more good starts than bad starts but it can unravel really really quickly for him but at 5800 on a, a slate without much good pitching you're not taking as much of a risk in getting there. So, you know, again, it's not, I had said from the top of the show, there wasn't going to be cheap pitching that I felt super confident in taking a stand in, but Godly is certainly someone that should be getting ownership on the slate that I'll be getting to just because um, he's at least capable of striking guys out at 5,800. Yeah. I was looking on Brooks baseball just to see what, you know, everything looked like. And the only difference I saw is, well, it's actually a huge difference. I don't know if you've looked at this. Have you looked at his repertoire this year yet? I know he's still throwing his knuckle curve a lot. That's all I looked at. Yeah, so his sinker usage has been 30-plus percent every year. It's down to 3%. He's basically scrapped his sinker. I actually knew that and totally forgot. I think uh, – I don't remember if it was Sporer or one of the guys from MLB Network had tweeted like a graph. Well, he's throwing his cutter a ton now, I think. And getting Yeah, he's throwing the- his cutter 42%. Yeah. He's throwing the curve 35%, a little bit down from last year, but that's okay. And the change up 19%. Really, really interesting stuff because here, here's where it gets interesting. His cutter and curve both have whiff rates of 16%. His change up has a whiff rate of 19%. So he is missing a ton of bats on all three pitches. I'm not sure what to take away from this yet. Uh, he's not somebody that throws particularly hard. You know, he's sitting on. Uh, 88 miles per hour on that cutter, 88, 89 miles per hour. Uh, his his maximum velocity has been 91. 
But if the off-speed stuff is working, there might be something to that. Again, similarly to what we said about Kent Ameda, it's always good to see if someone's doing something different for better or worse. And well, he did have that seven strikeout game. He is missing a ton of bats. I don't know. It, I guess at that price point, it's, it's very much, it's very much an opportunity to get a, a pretty discounted pitcher at 5,800. Well, on the flip side too, to what you were saying about the pitches that he's throwing this year, getting swings and misses, the pitch, the pitch that he's not throwing anymore, the sinker last year, he threw 255 of them to righties allowed a 316 expected ISO with a 6% swinging strike percentage. He threw 295 of them to lefties, allowed a 359 expected ISO with a 4% swinging strike percentage. Literally any pitch you're throwing that isn't that pitch is going to make you better. And then, as you said, the pitches that he has replaced it with actually are effective ones. For sure. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty remarkable. Lefties and righties this season, he's been he's been tuning up. Um Righty's expected well, but is at like 413. That's not great, but, you know, it's still very early. Uh, I think at that price, Zach Godley, somebody I'm willing to, to take some stabs at. His ownership right now is coming in around 17% on DraftKings. Uh, it's not crazy at all at that price. FanDuel's a lot different coming in at 2%, and Yahoo also a two-pitcher site. You've got Godley right now sitting around 10%. So not a ton of ownership there. I don't think it's a crazy idea at all, actually. And while the Rays do have a high run total, uh, Godley Godley might have some strikeout stuff back in the the arsenal, and that could make a big difference. I'm a lot more excited about him now that you reminded me of that because it was something I made a note note of and then just totally forgot about. So, um, yeah, I mean, when there's not a lot of pitching to feel good about at the cheap end, having someone that at least is doing something positive and has made some changes – um, is is nice, especially when the ownership doesn't really reflect it. Like it, it's kind of the ownership, at least right now, is coming in like it, it would when you're just like, yep, same Zach Godley, same Zach Eflin, everybody's the same. Exactly. Yeah, that's the type of information that can really help you out. It can also get you into trouble, right? Maybe, maybe it doesn't work out, but uh, that's the type of stuff I would want to be hearing if if I don't have the time to research on my own. What are you doing with bats in this one? Not a lot. I mean, there's a lot of pitchers that I, I want to attack on the slate. Blake Snell's not one of them. Um, Fenway, by the way, was the third park I couldn't remember that has the new humidor. Oh, apparently. wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not really looking to get to, to Snell. Nothing to do oh, with hold humidor. on a second. Uh, you know what? I, I forgot something earlier, or earlier, and Dave reminded me of this. Uh, Dave Luke's, Luke's. Thanks, Dave. In chat, I even made a note of this, like you were just saying earlier today. Godley is starting on short rest, uh, three days rest. So I, I don't know what that's going to do. He threw 67, 69 pitches in his last two starts, faced 16 and 18 batters. So uh, slightly concerning there, but he is very cheap. Sorry yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, at 5,800, you don't need seven innings out of the guy? No. Right. Five from him at 58 is better than five from Snell at 94, you know, assuming Snell doesn't strike out. Right. Yeah. Ten. Like the the biggest concern at his price would be how effective is he on short rest, which who who knows. Definitely a big concern. Yeah. There's no question. Go ahead. Um. But yeah. So I mean, I'm not looking to attack Blake Snell on a slate that has millions of bad pitchers. Um. Godly, you can definitely stack it. He he's the kind of guy that I do like stacking against, like full stacking, because when he's bad, he is just really, really, really bad, and the entire lineup benefits. Also, Tampa Bay is a team you can stack for really cheap. Like you can get Maeda Granky easily 
with the middle of the Tampa order with G-Man Choi at 3,300, Yandy Diaz at 3K, Tutsugo at 2,900. Um, I don't, I'm looking now, I actually don't know off the top of my head how, how he's been doing so far in the majors, but he's someone that projects to have a ton of power. Um, he so far has one home run. He struck out 24% of the time. He's walked 13% of the time, has an ISO below 100, but um, all the projection systems have him right around 200 for his ISO. So I would, I would assume that he starts hitting for more power going forward. Two games to go. Before we do that, just want to let everybody know that, well, we've got a preeminent tools over here at awesome.com. We got the best stuff out there, the ownership, uh, the projections, the top stack tool. That's just for baseball, but for basketball, we've got so much more as well. Uh, if you just go to the, the easiest way to do it is go to awesome.com slash join and check out everything we have to offer. I always recommend the monthly, the awesome plus all access monthly, because you'll have baseball, basketball, uh, hockey, PGA, NASCAR, MMA. You might be like, oh, well, I only want to play one sport until you start looking at other sports and seeing that you have access to all of that content for those sports. Uh, and, and you become a whole lot more interested in it, whether it's soccer, uh, NFL seasons coming up quickly, help WNBA, everything. If they have contests for it on these sites, we've got content for it at awesome.com slash join. You can do weekly, you can do express passes. Again, I think the monthly is the best bang for your buck. The annual is, but you know, that's that not everybody uh, is in a position to do that. So uh, check that out. And mind you, all of these tools developed, they're made and used by Alex Baker himself, the number one ranked DFS player in the world. Awesomeo is probably what you know him as. Uh, we don't just slap his name on it. These are his tools. And uh, well, simply enough, they help people win uh, a lot. We just had somebody post and, and chat and, and screenshots the other day, monster, monster wins. Uh, and you get it, you get it quite a bit here. People, people like awesome because the tools actually help you get better at DFS. They're not just aesthetically pleasing. They're not just tools that, you know, people want, but don't really need. Uh, these are the things that in 2020, when you're playing DFS, will make you a better player for sure. So go to awesomeo.com slash join and scroll to the bottom of that. You can see all of the videos on our top tools, our most popular tools, how to use them. Uh, and if you're not a premium sub and you're not ready to do that yet, create a free account, see what's out there, see what we have and, you know, play around with the site, see if it's something you'd like. I think it will be, but you'll be able to see all of our data. Uh, and one more thing, if you're a seasonal NFL player, we just released a huge NFL package. It's $29.95. Uh, and it is really awesome. We've got a ton. Alex Baker's data-driven, just analytic approach to rankings and projections. Uh, they're really great. Uh, the, the tool, the, the draft companion to help, or the draft uh, sidekick, what is it? The draft, what's it called, Adam? The draft, hold on, wingman, thank you. The draft wingman, which updates your projections in real time based on who you drafted. Um, and the greatest part is it's $29.95, but all new members uh, if you haven't signed up at FFPC yet, where you can draft teams, real money leagues, and win money based on your teams, uh, you get $35 credit when you sign up there. When you sign up with for an awesome draft kit with us, it basically, well, it makes it free. Actually, it makes it so you're getting six free dollars at FFPC. So if you're playing fantasy football this year, look nowhere else than awesome.com, completely data-driven as well. It's not none of this groupthink stuff across the industry where everyone says the same thing and latches on to the same take. So uh, check it out. Alex Baker took his DFS approach and applied it to season long. That's how you win, man, just straight data-driven data driven approach. 
head over to awesome.com. Check out our fantasy football product as well. Okay, two games to go, Adam. Seattle and Texas. I see in chat right now people saying, nah, Taiwan Walker won't be chalky. He'll this guy will be chalky. No, no, no. He'll he will be chalky and, and gone back and forth, which is good. Good conversation. Got Taiwan Walker against the Texas Rangers, Jordan Lyles towing the rubber for the Rangers against Seattle. Uh, as it stands, the Rangers have a 4.8 run implied total. Seattle Mariners have a 4.3 run implied total. And, well, simply put, the Rangers this season against righties have a 57 WRC+. plus. They're not striking out a ton, but they have been god-awful at the dish against right-handed pitching, really against any pitching for that matter. Yeah, and so one big thing to keep an eye on here is if the roof is open or closed. Looks like it's supposed to be about 100 degrees, which I assume means it'll be closed. But, yeah, uh, if it's open, it's a downgrade to both pitchers. But um, it's a good spot as far as the strikeouts being in this Texas lineup. I still don't buy into, you know, we talked about it yesterday. I don't buy into Texas being as bad as they have been. Having Shinsu Chu, having Joe Yallo, um, you know, having some decent guys in Solak and, and Calhoun, they shouldn't be – as bad as they have been. They're still not going to be a good offense, though. Taiwan Walker is interesting to me just because we still don't really know what we're going to get out of him. This is a guy that's been basically hurt for two years. He used to be a, a top pitching prospect. He had some success, then he got hurt for a couple of years. So far, the results haven't been great. Um, a 9% swinging strike percentage to righties, 4% to lefties. He struck out 21.5% of righties, 18.2% of lefties. Um, if, I, if I have to side with um, anything, I would be looking to like Joey Gallo because I, Joey Gallo against pitchers that aren't good strikeout pitchers is always really appealing. Um, but looking also, uh, Walker this year is allowed a 211 ISO to lefties, only a 103 expected ISO. So run has run kind of bad in the power department there. Basically, it's just a situation where we still don't have enough data to really know what to expect from Walker. He's cheap enough and against a bad Texas offense to where he will get ownership. He will project pretty well and I'll be getting there. But again, it's not someone that I expect to be just like jamming over the field on. Is he ever going to be somebody though that can, that can figure it out coming into the league. He was pretty highly talented. People, you remember people were excited for Taiwan Walker. Uh, can, can he figure this out? Right. He, he throws the, his, his four seamer usage is way down. He's throwing the sinker more. That's exciting. Uh, throwing a lot of slider and split. You, you just you take a look at some of the whiff rates here, and I, I know it's not the end-all, be-all, but for, for, for fantasy baseball, strikeouts are king. He's just not missing bats on anything. My assumption is that Taiwan Walker isn't very good. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, if the roof is open, just count me out. But right now, and again, I stress this, ownership always changes throughout the day. You get news, things change. But – uh, as of now, he's getting ownership for sure. Like he's definitely getting ownership. That might have to do with the fact that Texas has been so bad, but um, it's a scary spot. What about Jordan Lyles? Right, right now, looking at our projections, we have Walker at like twelve and a half DraftKings points, which for his salary is fine. Um, and then relative to other guys, Eflin's at like eleven and a quarter. Godley's at like eleven. So I mean, you can obviously debate the order there. But the point is that they're all going to project pretty similarly and you probably should just be favoring the lower owned um, out of the group. And pay attention to those ownership projections throughout the day. What about Jordan Lyles? You stoked for him? I think the Seattle Mariners. I was going to say, he's actually kind of interesting. Like you have 
when you you go to like fan graphs and you pull up the the leaderboard for the starting pitching on the entire day, he comes in in eleventh. And then when you start removing guys that aren't even on the slate, he's easily in the top ten. He has a higher strikeout percentage since last year than Zach Greinke does um, at twenty three point eight percent. The Mariners have strikeouts in their lineup. It's still Jordan Lyles, and you still have no idea. You know he hasn't been striking guys out this year so far. Um, fourteen percent to to righties, seventeen percent to lefties. So you're still not going to be very confident. But he's also not really expensive. The Mariners do only have a four point three implied run total, and right now his he's not in our ownership projections. Lyles isn't. No. So I can't speak to where his ownership comes in, but I would assume he probably comes in around the other guys we've been talking about. He projects for right around like two times his salary. So it's it's another guy where I'm going to, I think he's a good play at his salary relative to the other pitchers on the slate. I don't feel very confident in it because I don't think he's that good. What about bats? Um, Texas bats. You already mentioned Gallo. I think Shinsu Chu's a, a good one off as well. Um, from the other side, Lyle since last year has allowed a 199 expected ISO to lefties, 185 to righties. Not a ton to like in the Seattle lineup. Kyle Lewis has power, also strikes out a lot. Um, I, th- I think probably more full stacks for me of Seattle than one-offs just because it's difficult to pinpoint, you know, one guy that's likely to homer here. Whereas, you know, with the Texas side, you can just point right to Joey Gallo. All right. You want to close this one out? Yep. Tony Gonsolin, Zach Davies, L.A. Dodgers, San Diego Padres. Uh, I actually amazing. I actually rostered Zach Davies earlier this year. It was a, it was a miserable slate, uh, but it was against San Francisco, and he got the win. He did what Zach Davies does best, uh, except he surprisingly got some strikeouts. Yes, it wasn't that the slate where he was actually striking guys out, but then he gave up a bunch of runs in his last inning. Yeah, I think he gave up two, but he still finished with 18 drafting points, which yeah. I think on that slate was was pretty good. Uh, he's never going to get a ton of strikeouts, but he is striking lefties and righties out north of 20% this year, which I find you know moderately interesting. The problem is uh, now you've got Davies going up against the Dodgers. He, I, I, I am not a fan of stacking against Davies. Uh, if, if it's a super low ownership, on a team, you know, I, I can understand that. I can get behind that and, you know, sure. But he's just one of those pitchers. And we talk about you know, a handful of these guys uh, every week that we do these shows. He's just one of those guys that doesn't give up a ton of power. And mind you, he pitched it at Brewer at, at Miller Park for a while where home where balls fly out of there. He's overall, he's, he's pretty good at run prevention. So uh, the Dodgers are a better team hitting than he is as a pitcher, but I don't know. I, I I don't really love either side of this all that much, although the Dodgers do have a five-run total. Yeah, I think I'm a little higher on the Dodgers than you. Um, since last year, Davies has a lot of 174 ISO to lefties, but a 210 expected ISO. So it seems like he's run pretty good in that department. But the big thing for me is that he doesn't strike guys out, as you mentioned. And there's just so much power in the Dodgers lineup that if they're putting the ball in play, they're hitting it hard typically and, and doing damage. Corey Seager could be back in the lineup, which would be nice. But either way, you know, Peterson, Betts, Bellinger, Turner, Muncy, Pollock, Taylor. There's so many, even Will Smith at the bottom. Every hitter in this lineup has power. And so it's a team that you can stack different ways and, you know, to, to get better one-offs or better pitching or whatever. And you're still just getting really a ton of power against a pitcher that's not going to miss bats. So I, I really do like the Dodgers. 
Um, on the other side, not as interested in the Padres. I think Tony Gonsolin is pretty decent. He pitched on July 31st through 63 pitches. Hasn't pitched since then, was at their alternate training site. Um, not looking to roster him against the Padres. He's, he's priced up a little bit and obviously don't know how deep he'll go into the game. But I think that I'm not really on the Padres bats either. So all that I really like in this game is the Dodgers bats. Okay. Who would you say at, right now, still got a long ways to go before this 710, uh, 705, sorry, uh, first pitch. Who would you say are your three favorite pitchers, three favorite stacks right now? Yeah, with the ownership we have right now, um, I would say that my three favorite stacks are the Yankees, the Twins, and either Houston or the Dodgers. Um, three favorite pitchers, Granke, Kensameda, and whoever's the lowest owned out of Godley and Eflin and Walker. Okay. Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't intrigued by Zach Godley right now. Uh, Maida and Granky, I, I know they're they're up there, but I, I still think those are your, your two better options. Uh, and I also don't have an issue taking some shots on Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, it's it's a it's a pretty interesting spot where if he can go deep into this game, uh, he could have a, a big one. Let's see if those changes are for real. Uh, Philly stack, I do like them against LeBlanc. I, I know they're popular, so that's it's it's a tough team to get to. Uh, you're talking about lesser owned teams. Washington is one of them for me that I like. And if you can get to the Yankees right now, uh, they have the second highest top stack uh, probability and the fourth lowest, fifth lowest ownership uh, of any team. So worth keeping in mind, check that ownership, check the top stack tool, check the, or check both of them throughout the day. It'll make a big difference uh, as we continue to update them. That'll do it for us. For Adam Scherer, myself, Dave Lochran, thanks for hanging out with us. Hit that thumbs up before you head out. It's a great help. We'll see you back here soon. You've been watching the MLB Strategy Show presented by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.